Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of Mile High Sports. That is where you can find all of the Nuggets content from the entire staff over at milehighsports.com. If you just click in the Nuggets icon in the top right corner, it'll direct you to everything there. Um, This is going to be a fun podcast because the Denver Nuggets are headed to the playoffs. It is now officially locked in after the Nuggets got their 114-104 road victory over the Boston Celtics. The Nuggets have now locked in a playoff spot so they can finish no worse than eighth in the west and they are on path to be the second seed in the nba or in the western conference if not the one seed which we'll talk about a little bit later um this game was wild for many, many reasons. Uh, first off, it was Isaiah Thomas's return to the TD Garden. It was his first time as an active and healthy player be, uh, playing against the Celtics in Boston. So his return was a very big deal as an emotional kind of um, overarching theme that kind of played into this game. In addition to that, obviously, we saw, as I've alluded to a few times in this show already, uh, the Nuggets had the playoffs on the line in this game. If they win, they lock up a playoff spot. If they lose, they continue pushing back their date for when they lock in that playoff spot. So they had the weight of that kind of over them, and then they also had the weight of Isaiah Thomas over them. And then on top of that, last time Boston was in Denver was the game that Jamal Murray had 48 points and decided to take a last-second heave when the game had already been decided and was essentially over, which really bugged Kyrie Irving, who proceeded to grab the ball and launch it into the stand in order to keep it out of Jamal Murray's hands. So there was some bad blood. There was a whole lot of emotional uh, stimulus and a lot on the line for the Nuggets in this game. But despite all of that, they came out and found a way to win in a gutsy manner. Not everything went right for Denver in this game, but they refused to quit and they fought all night. They played great defense and they kept at their offense until it finally clicked in that fourth quarter to carry them to the win. Um, Multiple players were great in this game. I'm going to end up talking about the Nuggets playoff berth being secured, talk about Isaiah Thomas' return to Boston. Um, I want to talk about how, how great Denver's defense was in this game. They were as methodical and concise and consistent defensively as I can remember them all year. This was definitely one of the best defensive games of the year. Um, Nikola Jokic was fantastic on both ends of the floor. I mean, defensively, he was everywhere. Had three blocks, two steals, and then offensively, very efficient scoring. Um, expanded his scoring arsenal out beyond the paint a little little bit, which we haven't seen tons of this year, um, was still a very good passer, even though his assist totals didn't necessarily necessarily reflect that. And we'll get into just kind of how good Nicola was and how patient he was in this game. 
Uh, Tory Craig also was just masterful in his role in this game. Tory Craig has become great at just understanding how to play as the energy wing off the bench and what kinds of intangibles to bring to the table. So we'll talk about Tory Craig as well as the fact that the Nuggets just won this game despite all the distractions surrounding it. Like I talk about, like I, I talked about off the top of this podcast. It's been incredibly impressive to see this this resilient Nuggets team who have been down in big moments on the road against good teams find ways to come out and win these big games. So we'll dive into all of those things. But before we do that, let me give you one quick word from the guys who made the beats on the intro and outro this podcast at the Regulators Production Group. You can find them on Instagram at um, under Regulators Regime. And then on top of that, Terrapin Care Station, who is the presenting sponsor of the show. So before we go any further, here is a quick word from Terrapin Care Station. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. dive into everything that went into the Denver Nuggets road win in Boston over the Celtics and we have to start from the top which is the Nuggets securing their first playoff berth in the past six years. Uh, The last time the Nuggets were in the playoffs was that 57 win team in 2012-13 that ended up getting bounced by the earliest rendition of the Golden State Warriors in the first round after they shot just the lights out of the gym um, when Steph Curry and Clay just went ballistic in that game and Draymond Green shot like 60% from three in that series. So ever since then, the Nuggets have been fall. So they, they collapsed and nearly bottomed out. And then it's been a slow rebuild for the past four years with Michael Malone. And for them to get to the point now where they go from winning 30 games to now on pace for over 50 in just a four year gap, that's an incredible growth by a Nuggets team that has generally been just the players that they drafted and kept in house. And as this entire organization kind of grew together. So In terms of a rebuilding project, a lot of teams are going to end up looking towards Denver's model of just drafting and keeping guys around and building a strong culture internally as a new method to do so. And to see them paid off for all of that work by securing this playoff game with 13 games left to go, um, you know, that that's insane. It's just awesome to see the Nuggets already in this spot. I actually wrote about this already on Mile High Sports about how the loss in game 82 last year when the Nuggets lost to the Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolves 
and did not make the playoffs because of that loss in the play-in game, that could have been the best thing that happened to them because it motivated them in a way that nothing else could have. And because of that pain and frustration that they had losing in Game 82 last season, the Nuggets are now not just locking up a playoff spot, but well on their way to a top two seed in the Western Conference after not even making the playoffs last year. Additionally, on top of that, I mean... They are now tied record-wise with, gold, with the Golden State Warriors at 47-22. and 22. So the Nuggets have all opportunities to be able to grab the number one seed in the Western Conference as well. And it would be the first time that the Nuggets were able to do so since the NBA-ABA merger. They have never done it since the merger. So for this team to get near that 57-win franchise record and to also have a chance to be the only Nuggets team since the merger to be a one-seed, that's just an incredible amount of growth from a Nuggets team that is still extremely young. So, just awesome to see how far this Nuggets team has gone in such a short amount of time, and the fact that they did it all together and in-house is just so impressive. So, hats off to the Nuggets organization for pulling this off. I'm not even a Nuggets fan personally, but... From the outside looking in, it's hard not to be excited for these guys because of how much work they put in and how much they've had to rally around each other to get to this point. The other big storyline that really loomed large over this game was Isaiah Thomas's return to Boston because he had not returned to Boston as an active and healthy player since he was traded away from Boston in the deal or in the deal that ended up netting the Celtics Kyrie Irving, who is now their starting point guard, obviously. So it was really interesting because Isaiah Thomas obviously has been removed from the Nuggets rotation, but he is so beloved by the Celtics fan base and by that community that even though he wasn't an important part of the actual game itself, his presence was just such an important aspect of the story that was this Nuggets game. And the tribute video they played at the first break of the first quarter was just phenomenal. It was great to see how loved he was, not just by the by the fan base and the community, but also the organization for everything that he gave to that team. I mean, Isaiah Thomas went through eight hours of dental work after losing a tooth, and and that's in the same series that he was playing in after the death of his sister in just a tragic car accident. For a guy to give all of that and then to go out there and carry that group or that team that really didn't have any business getting to the Eastern Conference Finals and carrying them all that way, it was just absolutely fantastic to see the way that they received him and on top of that once the tribute was over the standing ovation that he got um, during the commercial break was just again it was awesome to see um Isaiah Thomas has not had an easy run in Denver. It took him a long time to get healthy, and then Monte Morris and Malik Beasley had emerged so quickly that there just wasn't a role for him in Denver. There was no time for him to get back into a rhythm to even earn a spot in the rotation, and none of this was necessarily his fault. So for him to go to Boston and get that kind of reception was really cool, and then Michael Malone, credit to him. He made sure to get Isaiah Thomas a six and a half minute stint in at the end of the first quarter, at the beginning of the second quarter, in front of that Boston crowd, knowing that he has he had earned that throughout his career. And it was just really cool, regardless of the situation that he was not in the rotation. And Isaiah Thomas knew he was not in the rotation, that he still got a chance to go play in front of that crowd. It wasn't the most impressive play in the world, but he had a couple nice assists, and the Boston crowd was just hanging on every last movement that he made when he was out there so it was really cool to see just 
how much love Isaiah Thomas got for an organization that he gave literally everything he had to. So credit to the Boston Celtics organization for for having that awesome tribute. Credit to the fans in uh, TD Garden for just giving so much love to Isaiah Thomas. And credit to Michael Malone for making sure that he got minutes in Boston when the Nuggets played them because it, it he earned those minutes in my opinion. So overall, just a fantastic display all around. Um, time to dive into this actual game, though. All of this is all these narratives have generally been just storylines that surrounded the game, not the game itself. But the biggest takeaway for me in this game was that Denver's defense was just terrific. I mean, they held Boston to 42% shooting from the field and just under 31% from three-point range. Um, while the numbers were good, it, that really wasn't the storyline. The storyline was that Denver's effort level and their urgency and how much they were flying around, it was insane. They looked like a team possessed. I had not seen them play that consistent, that much, that much for almost every single minute of this game for most of the year. Um, they were plus 15 on the defensive glass. I mean, Nikola Jokic was great in the team construct. Had three blocks and two steals, getting into passing lanes, rotating well, knowing where to be. Uh, the communication between all of these players was great. Whenever there was big hedges and uh, bigs playing up the floor, the weak side rotations defensively were locked in for the most part. Uh, Jamal Murray had a great defensive game on Kyrie Irving, I thought. He was really... Up in his face and, and crowding his airspace and not letting him get around him. The containment level on the perimeter was fantastic. Kyrie Irving was 10 of 23 from the field in this game and 2 of 8 um, from 3-point range and really had to work for everything that he got. Additionally, on top of that, Torrey Craig's effort and hustle and activity were off the charts. Paul Millsap was filling in every gap that needed to be filled defensively. Gary Harris was... Just a terror off and on ball defensively. He was so good in this game. Will Barton basically suffocated Jason Tatum for most of the night. Just all across the board, so many good things happened defensively in this game. And it was great to see the Nuggets generally play a consistent defensive effort for the majority of the game like they did against Boston. And that was why they won. Their offense was missing a lot of open shots in this game. But their effort level defensively is what set the tone and allowed them to win this game on the road in a very tough environment against a very tough team in the Celtics. Um... Next for me was how good Jokic was just all around in this game. There's plenty of things to, to pick apart from Nikola Jokic's game, but for me, it was good to see his perimeter game kind of return again. Nikola Jokic has a perimeter game. He can he can hit long jumpers. He has the ability to take guys off the dribble from the perim, from the three-point line and things like that. He just hasn't done tons of it this year. He's been so good in the paint, so good in the post, and so good as a passer that he hasn't needed to kind of force a three-point shot into his arsenal or anything like that, or start trying to attack closeouts, but against the Celtics, he did a great job of it. Um, he took a team tying or a team high tied for team high seven three pointers in this game and hit three of them. Was nine of fourteen from the field overall. Had thirteen boards, seven assists, two steals, three blocks. Played thirty five minutes. Was a game high plus fifteen. There was nothing in this game that Nikola Jokic didn't do great. And his assist numbers, I mean, yes, he had only, I believe, seven assists, yeah. But that number could have been so much higher with the amount of open shots that the Nuggets' offense was missing overall. Um, it wasn't until the fourth quarter that Denver got, I think it was four of their um, four of their 
14 three-pointers to fall. So before that, they were like 10 of 30 from three in the first three quarters. So they were not hitting open shots. They were missing a lot of open shots. So even though Nikola Jokic's assist numbers weren't up in the double digits, they, it could have been 12, 13, or 14 if guys were just hitting their shots. But overall, he was great on the... Um, in this game and defensively was really where he stood out couple great blocks rotated very well defensively was good in isolation when he had to switch um just overall a very very good game from Nikola Jokic uh the last player who really kind of shocked me and for what they were able to bring to the table was Torrey Craig because Torrey Craig is coming off of a shoulder injury has not been getting very many minutes um really his role as the Nuggets are tightening up their playoff rotation has diminished quite a bit but he ended up playing 21 minutes in this game and he deserved every last second he got um the biggest moment of this game was the end of the third quarter where Torrey Craig hit a three-pointer and after he hit that shot there was 1.1 seconds left in the third quarter so you're like Ooh, okay, Torrey Craig's three-pointer brought the Nuggets back within two points. This isn't going to be as bad as you think. Then there was a really bad turnover where um, I can't remember who it was, but someone was inbounding the ball on the, on the Nuggets' baseline and just threw it out of bounds. The Nuggets had 1.1 seconds with the ball back under their own hoop. And Torrey Craig made a fantastic baseline backdoor cut that got him a wide-open dunk. So Torrey Craig created five points, went on his own 5-0 run with one in 1.1 Celtics to bring the Nuggets back from 80 to 75 down to 80 80 tied going into the fourth quarter that stretch alone was so important for the Nuggets confidence for their morale and for the momentum they were able to carry with them into that fourth quarter because on the road in Boston is an extremely tough place to play and they did not fold and so much of that is because that 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 sequence from Torrey Craig gave them so much confidence and beyond just that the amount of energy that Torrey Craig played with was normal his energy is infectious, but he hit a three-pointer in this game with one of two, hit two of three free throws, had two assists in this game, was everywhere defensively, had eight rebounds, was five of seven from the field, had 13 points. I mean, you can't find fault in Torrey Craig's game, in my opinion, um, against the Celtics. He was phenomenal, and I think that we're going to see a spot where Torrey Craig actually has a bigger role than we expect when the playoffs come around. Every team needs a multi-positional, high-energy, long, athletic, strong, um, defensive-minded wing to play in playoff settings like that, and Torrey Craig can be that. He's almost Tony Allen-esque for this Nuggets team is kind of how I've decided upon it. Um, He's not the defender Tony Allen is, and he might not ever be because Tony Allen was such a great defender, but in terms of an archetype, that's what he brings to the table. A very rough offensive game who can get you some points when you need it, but very smart player who attacks and attacks and attacks and is just an energizer bunny out there on the court. So Torrey Craig, I thought, was great in this game and the Nuggets don't win without him and again it's just so impressive how resilient this Denver Nuggets team is they were you know this was a game of runs they trailed at multiple points in this game um they trailed at three different points by as many as five or actually yeah I guess they only trailed by as many as five points it never really got that far away but on the road in Boston is a tough place to play and they continued to fight back no matter what the situation um really looked like in front of them and because of that they are now above 500 as a road team again and 
are going back to the playoffs. And they did this despite the fact that there were so many distractions surrounding the game with Isaiah Thomas's homecoming back to Boston and Denver having the pressure of trying to clinch a game um, or trying to clinch a postseason berth and all of the drama from Kyrie Irving and Jamal Murray from the first meeting in Denver. There were so many narratives surrounding this game, so many distractions that Denver refused to let change their approach. And because of that, they were able to come in and get a very, very big win. And now... The Nuggets are going to keep on this East Coast road trip. They're going to play um, the Washington Wizards on Thursday, I believe. They have two days off before having a back-to-back in New York against the Knicks. I will actually be in New York for that Knicks game. So you'll get a podcast from me from from Madison Square Garden after the game. Um, and then after that, they'll be coming back to Denver to play against uh, Detroit before going back out on the road once again. So it's going to be a very interesting sprint to the finish. Um, but before we finish up this podcast, let me first give you a quick word from Terrapin Care Station one more time because they're doing a really cool deal right now. Um, and they're only doing it for a little bit while. It's a promotion that starts today, actually, as of Tuesday, March 19th. But they're doing $100 cartons of Terrapins. It's a one-ounce pack where it's five five gram packs of terrapins where you can mix and match your strains as well as three one gram cone joints so very very good deal over a terrapin care station they're the best place for all of your cannabis needs so definitely make sure to get out to terrapin care station to check out all they have they are the presenting sponsor of this show and i would not have a show without them so definitely go give them some love if you enjoy the podcast because we wouldn't be here without them um Now, though, it is time to dive into some Twitter questions from listeners and get some answers to them. into what is my favorite segment as everybody knows uh questions to list or answers to listener questions i love doing this because there's always interesting stuff that pops up like this first question could a team of monte morris malik beasley tory craig wancher hernan gomez and mason Plumley compete for a playoff spot in the east I, I fought with myself on this because like miami like josh richardson is arguably better than every player out of those five um, when it comes to, when it comes to Detroit Blake Griffin is arguably better than every player out of those five when it comes to even teams like Orlando Aaron Gordon is a better player than all of those five the one difference is that those five do play so well together and they do have the talent to make it work that I, I would say they that yes they would compete I do not think they would actually win or or claim a playoff speed uh, spot in the east but at the same time, like if you're if you're going to compare that five as a starting unit against the rest of the Eastern Conference, you're going to put them in the top ten probably. So it is surprising that the Nuggets bench unit is probably good enough and deep enough to where they could compete for a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. So I thought that was a funny question. Um, what is the best team for the Nuggets to face in the first round? I'm going to dive into a ton of this on the next podcast on Wednesday where I basically outline the three teams that the Nuggets are likely to face in the first round and which and what scares me about them, what's you know good about them, and things like that. But I think the team that the Nuggets are going to want to play first and foremost is going to be the Los Angeles Clippers. 
Um, the Clippers don't have the star power that Denver has. Um, the Nuggets have a bench unit that can keep up with the Clippers bench unit, which is their best, um, which is their probably their biggest weapon. And on top of that, they just don't have an answer for Nikola Jokic whatsoever. So I think that if there's just a team that just doesn't stack up, that just isn't as talented and doesn't provide the Nuggets with as many issues as other teams could, it would be the Clippers. The Nuggets struggle playing Utah in Utah, and for some reason they just get under their skin. The Nuggets haven't won, it's been like, what, 13 straight losses against the Spurs in San Antonio? So, like, that's there's a lot of weird things about a couple of the other teams that are around. So, for me, it's just the Clippers. Um, third and final question I wanted to get to is what kind of contract should Paul Millstap realistically get next year? Um, I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that the Nuggets are going to opt out of that contract just because it makes so much more sense financially to opt out of his team option for $30 million next year and try and sign him to a deal that is a longer term deal with less money. So the framework of this deal is going to be interesting because the Nuggets are going to need to extend Jamal Murray, potentially Malik Beasley and maybe even Wancho Hernan Gomez in the very near future. So you can't just front load these contracts. You have to find a way to keep this money open. So for me, I think a realistic contract would be three years, $45 million, which would be $15 million a year, which is half of what Paul Millsap is making now, and then have a, a team option in that third year. Um, or you can do a four-year option or a four-year deal, um, and you can do that for about $52 million is the number I came up with. It's about $13 million a year and also have a team option in that last deal, our last year of the contract as well. So a little bit less money for more years, but I would not go over probably $15 million to keep Paul Millsap around. I mean, he is so important to this Nuggets team, but they're going to have to spend a lot of money to keep a good chunk of this core intact. So it's going to become paramount that the Nuggets are extremely stringent with how they spend their money and in what order they spend their money. So it's going to be very interesting how they navigate the Paul Millsap scenario once this offseason comes around. But what I will say is that it does seem like Paul Millsap wants to be here. It seems like he's really enjoying himself with this Nuggets team and it feels like he's bought in and really wants to help this Nuggets team reach new heights that they have not yet reached with this core. So regardless of what happens, I would expect some good faith negotiations happening with Paul Millsap and, and the the Denver Nuggets organization to keep him in Denver for quite a while. Um, that's it. I thank you guys for listening and sticking around. I've had some technological issues again because of my 10 year old computer, but this podcast will be around. I'll have a new one coming out tomorrow on Wednesday. And then I will also have a podcast coming out after the wizards game. And then after the uh, Knicks game from New York in the garden. So stick around with us, keep interacting. I really appreciate you guys go subscribe on iTunes and all those other platforms. Um, definitely go reach out to the regulators production group or regulators regime on Instagram for any beats that you may need or any musical services and also Terrapin Care Station for all of your cannabis goods in the greater Denver metro area. But until then, have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you guys soon. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the...
Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Johnny got a toy golf set when he was three, and from that day on, he was hooked. All he wanted to do was golf, golf, golf. He'd be on the links before school, after school. All he ever wanted was to go pro. And then, one day, when he was holding his grandson and thinking about his 12 handicap, Johnny realized it just might not happen for him. But you know what did happen for him? He switched to Geico and saved a bunch of money on car insurance. So that was good, and so was hanging out with his grandson.